Welcome to the offseason, and accordingly, welcome to the first Friday show of 2023 here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Dave Melton, the site manager at Second City Hockey. You can find me on Twitter at dmelt57. So for those who may not remember, uh, we did this last summer because we only did a couple of shows because it got really busy. Um, the Friday show is where we kind of gather with other people in and around the hockey world for bigger discussions on more wide-ranging topics since we don't have so many games to really zero in on. Um, it's very likely that uh, new SCH edition Eric Gagenheimer will be with me on most, if not all, of these episodes, and he might run a few by himself as well. Um, so for the first one of this offseason, it is Friday now, so the season is officially over, uh, we started off with one of our colleagues from this uh, uh, corner of the internet that we've carved out for ourselves. Uh, it's Alex Connor. He's on Twitter at PaleDragonCBus, and he is the site manager for the Canon, which is a specific corner of the internet for Columbus Blue Jackets fans, similar to what our website is for Blackhawks fans. Uh, the obvious connection here is that both teams are down at the bottom of the NHL standings. Uh, Columbus does have a game tonight, so we'll see how that all shakes out. But uh, the reason we got together is because of where they are, where both the Blackhawks and the Blue Jackets are at the bottom of the season. So we talked about that, how Columbus got there, and then just kind of the differences in the methodology of how those teams ended up at the bottom of the standings. And uh, then at the very end, just for since the Blue Jackets play in Columbus and there's a college there that produced a certain professional athlete who plays in a very important position in the city of Chicago, there may or may not have been a brief discussion about that player, but you'll have to listen to find out all of that. Uh, so thank you very much for listening to this episode. We hope to do plenty more of these over what's going to be a very long offseason, thankfully, because I think we could all use a little bit of a break from Blackhawks hockey. Um, but we'll have plenty of content for you to keep you entertained until next season arrives. So with all of that out of the way, let's get right over to the conversation with Alex. that something good happens but there's also the possibility that something good will not happen because i don't know, I feel like our, i've been playing with house money for uh for the last 10 years anyway so yeah there's another jackets blog that has been posting on twitter every day a tank of results so <laughs> that's been fun to sort of uh live and die uh with that those results every morning is to see where we can come up and i would I, I would love to know what the Tankathon like uh, page view count is right now, because I imagine they are just the most popular place on the Internet <laughs> and, and certain high in Chicago and Columbus and Anaheim and San Jose and, yeah. and everywhere else where this is a relevant part of the discussion. Well, um, I think the and the NBA, there's some super huge number one dude coming out too. Yeah. Vic, Victor so, Wenbiama, something like that. He's like a seven, six French guy. So they're probably, yeah, they're doing double duty right now. Yeah. So uh, welcome into this uh, first offseason episode of the Friday show. Uh, quick spoiler, we're f- recording this Wednesday night, so we don't actually know what has happened. As you are listening to this, you may know how the NHL standing shook out. But as we are talking right here, we do not know. And it was kind of funny when we recorded our Tuesday night podcast. As we finished up, we left in a world where uh, the Blackhawks were only tied with the Penguins and didn't uh, blow their doors off in the third period. Um, but regular listeners will recognize the voice of Eric Eggenheimer, who is a, a regular here at SecondCityHockey.com. We have a guest this uh, evening, though, so I, hopefully everyone is on their best behavior for Alex Connor, a.k.a. Pale Dragon on Twitter, uh, the site manager for the Columbus Blue Jackets blog, The Cannon. Uh, Alex, welcome in. It's good hey, to have th- you here. Thanks for having me. 
Glad to be here. So the reason I, I think it's a pretty obvious connection about why you are here, because we are both in a similar situation and that we've been watching the bottom of the NHL standings more than anything else uh, for the last five or six months. And uh, where we just kind of wanted to start on this briefly, because I think there's an obvious answer to this question, but maybe there's more nuance that you will have because you've been watching this team a lot closer than anyone else has. Um, what happened to the Blue Jackets this season? Why is it that they've struggled so mightily and that they're down by the Hawks at the bottom of the standings? Oh, it <laughs> that's a good start. First of all, we, we, we don't have time to cover everything, but yeah. uh, two, or two or three big reasons, if I can sort of narrow it down. The first thing is uh, injuries. Mm-hmm. We, we're, we're well over 500 man games lost to injury. Um, a lot of season ending injuries, um, at least one oh. career ending injury to Jake Voracek. That's right. Uh, which is really heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, started in late October, really ramped up in November, and it's just continued on and on in the season. Um, here for the last month or so, the Jackets have been icing lineups, which would not be eligible for the preseason. That's right. That's you know, right. you know That's how you right. need like eight veterans in a preseason game. Yeah. We have not met that. So we're talking, you know, rookies and AHL scrubs and things like that. We're playing two goalies right now, neither of whom were in the organization prior to the trade deadline. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's, that's it's been really really bad now while that is a big factor uh i don't want to let the organization off the hook and say that it's just injuries because in october when the team was still mostly healthy they were playing just god-awful hockey and someone has to answer for that uh i put a lot of the blame on the coaching staff because this is a team that looks very poorly coached the mm-hmm. system is incoherent and the players don't seem to be grasping where they should be and what they should be doing. And there really hasn't been much progress over the course of the season. Uh, the usage of certain players, like, you know, Erica Branson played way too much and sometimes injuries get blamed for that, but there was at least one game, maybe two in October where he had more five on five minutes than Zach Wierenski. And that just, that just never, ever, ever should happen. Uh, Brad Larson is a super nice guy from, from all accounts, but uh, if I'm being generous, I'm saying he's a huge idiot and (laughs) should not be coaching an NHL team. I enjoy, I enjoy that huge idiot is generous. I don't, I wanted to know what the Uh, non-generous one is. I, I I don't know what sort of, uh, you know, language rules you have here. I usually try to keep my podcast PG 13, but, uh, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. he's, well, here's the thing. He was an assistant for about seven years, was in charge of the power play. And aside from one half of a season in, uh, late 2016, the power play was like a bottom 10 power play in the league. And somehow they decided that that was good enough to make him the head coach and surprise the power play still sucks. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> Who would have thought it? Uh, I think the person at our site that's probably the most familiar with Columbus is Eric, because Eric's been doing the, uh, the excellent dying hard series every <laughs> week, checking in at the bottom of the standing. So Eric, how does that line up with what you viewed of Columbus from an exterior perspective? 
Yeah, lots of different. I think it was either tied or set the all-time record for the amount of skaters used in a season for you guys. Um, <laughs> that was Nuts. obvious. Yeah, like you said, over 500 man games. Uh, the other one that jumped out at me was six different goalies, too. Yep. I think you've gone through so far this year. And, and pretty much all of them have been bad, except for Jonas Corposalo, who was like surprisingly good. And so we traded him. <laughs> Yeah, for how long was Jonathan Quick on the, on the jackets? Was like, it like three three days? Yeah, uh, someone said a, yeah. a quick few minutes. Ah. Oh, uh, good night, everybody. Tip your waiters. <laughs> um, uh. Yeah, so I, I think I, I think the the main difference is uh, between the Hawks and Columbus. Like I, I guess going back to the start of the season, like where were the expectations? Was it like? playoffs or fighting for a wild card like i can't remember what the uh the general consensus was and where columbus was going to be obviously they're not there because of all the injuries and everything else but what was it like back in october yeah well there was a lot of optimism coming into the season uh last season uh the jackets finished with 81 points which was a lot better than anyone expected even people in columbus weren't expecting that good of a season they were you know like in a playoff position at American Thanksgiving. So, um, you know, great start to the season kind of fizzled out, but, you know, there was a lot of positives to build on. And then of course we shocked the world. We shocked ourselves by signing Johnny Gaudreau. So (laughs) it was, I think, reasonable to think that like this team should be able to build on that. And I thought, I thought playoffs were a possibility, not necessarily a likelihood. I thought a lot of things would have to go right, but, I certainly thought this was a team that could and should have been maybe like Buffalo was this year. We're like in the mix until very late in the season Um, Mm. and kind of, and also season to sort of get some answers about, um, you know, who was going to be in the core moving forward. You know, how do certain pieces fit together? You know, do Johnny Goodrow and Patrick Line make sense on the line together? Who's going to be the center for them? Could a mm-hmm. guy like Cole Sillinger or Kent Johnson be that center for those guys? Um, what, you know, getting guys like Ken Johnson reps, Kirill Marchenko reps, you know, figuring out who who's the answer on defense, you know, in some of these spots, aside from Zach Lorensky, obviously. Um, and so that's what I was looking for for this season. Um, I had a motto last season of I wanted the team to be bad but fun. And for the most <laughs> part, they were that. They weren't a great team. <laughs> But they were exciting. They were competitive in games. They were scoring goals. They were giving up a lot of goals. But, you know, it was interesting. This year's team, though, was just bad. It wasn't fun because they weren't scoring as much and they were giving up even more goals. And it the, we weren't getting the answers that we needed about who was in the core because Larson was playing these great rookies for like 12 minutes a night. Because, um, yeah, we want to see you know, Sean Corrales play 18 minutes a game. Come on, you know, uh, and that, and I like Sean Corrales a lot, but like, that's, that's not his role. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Just, so it, we, we definitely expect a lot more. I mean, uh, season ticket sales are way up because of the Gaudreau signing and we've had surprisingly great attempts. We've had like eight sellouts since January, uh, which I think is a lot of that's from the, the increase in season ticket sales, but still people are coming out to watch this team, but uh, they're not getting what they paid for. 
So uh, there, there is a big question that has kind of been my uh, the the horse I've probably beaten to death over the last five or six months, and we're going to get to that in a second. But I know while you know the two other teams that are mainly in this discussion, and I guess San Jose kind of fell off a little bit. But I know Eric, for uh, I, I, you had something. I think it was essentially just pointing and laughing at Anaheim. And <laughs> since no one from the Ducks is going to be in on this conversation, uh, if, was there a specific thing about them you wanted to point and laugh at so we could all enjoy it together? No, I mean, I just can't believe they're probably not going to win a game and they're going to go out not winning in, you know, it was, I, what was it? It was like 16 or 17% of the season. Uh, <laughs> if, if they end up losing out, which it looks like they're going to, um, it's, I mean, I think the, the one thing that we can say about both of our teams is they both had every reason in the world to quit weeks ago. Obviously there's, there's nothing for them to play for anymore but they're still, at least it seems like they're, you know, trying in some sense. And Anaheim just seems like they just could not give a crap whatsoever. <laughs> well, and they're at what, like 13 regulation wins? I think, yeah, 13 the, regulation yeah, wins. Yeah, they have, I that believe they have the first appalling. tiebreaker because of they, they're at the bottom slash top of the list, depending on how you're looking at it. But, well, and I saw another crazy stat today that, like, since they had a, like three game losing streak in January, the Bruins have won 26 games since January and the, the Jack, the Jackets have won 24 in the entire season. Well, when the, when the Hawks played the Bruins in March and beat them, the yeah. Bruins had 52 wins on the season, I think. And the Hawks had 50 points. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, we like, this just, it's just been, a, a cynical chuckle like that's that's every yeah. time there's been any discussion about the Hawks this season just been that cynical <laughs> just so that Wait, that's go ahead it, it, is Boston good I haven't heard anything about that <laughs> Man, at all you know not I, every and, single day for the and last I, and I have six it months. I have the tweet bookmarked in five different places <laughs> just in case because the night they lost to the Hawks I I tweeted out from the second city hockey account just remember this game when the Bruins get swept in the first round when we get to <laughs> April it probably won't happen. They'll probably, you know, win 16, go 16 and 0 and win the cup without losing a single game. But it, you know, it'd be fun if I was right for no reason at all. Um, the the big question I have for Alex, this is what I, I'm most curious about. Cause again, this goes back to my, uh, my campaign I've been on all season about uh, just my, my crusade against tanking in general and how, even if the Hawks are the benefactors of it, like there's, there's always a part of me that's going to hate that they did all this. Considering like Columbus legitimately tried to assemble a winning team in the offseason and everything just went to shit because of injuries and everything else, how do you feel that uh there is the potential that your that Columbus may not get this generational talent in the draft because of a team who didn't even try to win the season? Uh I'm sort of not as worried about what the other teams are doing. I'm just more sort of focused on what we can do and sort of what we deserve. Um, and I do feel like Columbus is past due to get something good in the draft because otherwise their draft history is, is pretty poor. And uh, this is a team that for so long um, has always won just enough games down the stretch to cost themselves a really good pick. And we have a lot of times of picking like sixth in the draft. Um so fans are freaking out every time the Jackets, you know, 
win a game or get a point or something like, Oh God, they're doing it again, you know? And, um, but yeah, the jackets have never won the first overall pick. The one time that we drafted number one, the Rick Nash year, we actually traded up from number three to get that pick. Mm-hmm. And the one time that we finished worst uh, was in 2012 and we lost the lottery to the Oilers. That was the nail Yakupov year. Okay. Okay. I didn't think that was the McDavid year. So I was like, which other, which one of the yeah. failed number one picks for Edmonton was that? Now, and now Scott, Scott Housen claims though, that regardless, he was going to take Ryan Murray. Um, so there's really no good answer that year. So it's like, yeah, the years that we do pick higher are the years that don't have the true generational talents there the only time that we've actually moved up in the lottery was 2016 where we moved up from four to three and even if we had stayed at four i think we still would have gotten pierre-luc dubois so moving hmm. up didn't really matter everyone thought we'd take you know pull yarby we thought we'd take pull yarby as the fans we were a lot of people hmm. were really upset about that pick and it turned out to be actually the right call but so yeah we have no no draft lottery luck uh, a lot of whiffs especially in the doug mcclain era just like uh, taking, you know, passing on Anze Kopitar, who all the scouts wanted, and instead he took Gilles Bear Brulee. So, <laughs> yeah, that'll or happen. We also had a top 10 pick in uh, Alexander Picard, who um, scored zero goals in his NHL career and had like 60 games and no, no, no goals. So that's, that, that's not great, Bob. Yeah. Yeah. I so I, so I'm thinking, and I feel like, because of that and because we were trying to be good and we're just sort of accidentally bad and had injuries that I do feel like karmically it would be good to, to get a pick. Although I also sort of feel like even if we got second, I think everyone would be thrilled with that. You know, if we get first, like Bedard is like, you can't miss, like you don't hesitate. You just take Bedard. Mm -hmm. If we get number two though, there's a lot about Adam Fantilli that screams blue jacket to me. Like he seems to fit the identity of the franchise a lot um, of being the kind of, you know, he's, he's bigger than Bedard. He's got some, you know, sandpaper to his game, uh, a little bit of swagger there, kind of like hardworking type guy. Is, is um, it a problem that he's a Michigan guy going to Columbus? Uh, well, considering <laughs> that we already have Zach Wierenski and Kent Johnson, I think that okay. ship's got to sail at this point. Okay. So. okay. Just, just curious. I, 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 it's I know a good the, question. I know the college sports scene that there's a little bit more of a, uh, it's a little bit more combative down in Ohio than it oh, is yeah. in the Chicagoland area. Well, there was a funny video that the team put out, uh, the day of the OSU Michigan football game, uh, where, you know, it rotated through a bunch of the players doing like OHIO. Um, and then at the very end, they showed like the three Michigan guys, like, Hey, you guys want to do an OHA? Like, like <laughs> all a row of them, like, no, no. And then Brent's like, absolutely not. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that rivalry never dies. No. I, you, know, you know, I, I've, I've gotten on this soapbox a lot, so I, I'm going to, I don't want to stand on it anymore, but Eric, did you have, I, did you have any thoughts on the whole tanking philosophy and how you felt about it? Com- like compared with how Columbus got here with compared to how the Hawks got here? I mean, the, the Hawks don't really have a choice at, at this moment. It, looking at it logically, it's the only thing that they could have done this year um, unless they really wanted to try to 
you know, slowly turn it around or the next four or five years. So yeah, you know, I've heard that a couple of different times, like karmically, you know, or for karma's sake, but I mean, the, the blue jackets just, it seems like they absolutely, you know, just happen to find themselves in this situation. And again, they're still trying to win games. They're still playing hard with all these crazy lineups and, you know, six goalies and all the things that we talked about before. So it, it feels different even though they're in the exact same space. Yeah. It seems like Columbus, like some of the players, like I know they're, they're down to, you know, skating the equipment manager at this point or whatever, but it does seem like there's at least a decent number of players that you are watching this season who are going to be around in, you know, three, four, five seasons for the Hawks. It's like maybe Seth Jones because he's under contract. And that's about it. Like everyone else, they just sent back to Rockford. Like the the starting the guys who started game one this season. Like if you look at that roster, I don't think any of those guys are going to be here in two years. So it's just it's a completely different feel about the team. Like there there is not like obviously Johnny Goudreau is not going anywhere with the contract he signed in the summer in Columbus. I mean with the Hawks, it's just there, there's you know there's there's nothing to be learned or gained from this entire 82 game season because of what they did in the summer and that's just uh, that that just goes against uh, it, it it feels like they pretty much took an entire season of hockey and said don't watch we don't care well but i think that i don't actually blame chicago for for what they're doing i actually think that they are doing what has to be done in terms of like things were were looking really bad this was a roster that had to be completely torn down and rebuilt from the bottom up and i think regardless of whether there was a generational talent in this draft or not like this is going to be a year for the hawks tearing it down starting from the bottom collecting draft picks where they could and just kind of waiting for you know and they added a lot last summer and just kind of building up from that so i think this is kind of a a natural tank for the Blackhawks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm in a really upset place about it. This, especially this week because of just, you know, arguing with my staff too about it. We've had debates about this whole thing and sort of, you know, how do you, how do you watch the team here in these final weeks when you know what's at stake and, my issue is with the system because this is a system that has fans rooting against their own team. And, and it's, and it's, it's in multiple sports. I mean, it's happening yeah. in basketball too. Like we just, I just did it through a bear season. Uh, the most excited I got all year was when the Houston Texans beat the Colts because that gave the bears the number one pick. It's, it's not just a hockey problem. It's an, it's an American sports problem. Yeah. Now see, we, I did find that when I was uh, following along with the Hawks Penguins score, that was actually kind of fun, like rooting for Chicago to win, you know, because at least they're rooting for someone to win, you know. And yeah. also, I mean, okay. I always I always want Pittsburgh to lose anyway, but <laughs> okay. uh, you know, so that's kind of fun. Like, okay, Chicago winning is good for Columbus, but I don't like where. Columbus winning or Columbus getting an overtime point is bad for Columbus. Yeah. I think, you know, that that is a very, that is a very good and important distinction because every night when, you know, for the last three months, every time Columbus would take a lead, I would tweet some sort of (laughs) smart ass gif at your, uh, Jan, uh, 
the CBJ Cannon account just for fun because it there there was something fun about like I've I've watched way more Anaheim Ducks hockey than anybody should have this season. I'm a huge <laughs> Zegras fan right now because I wanted him to score every game. Yeah, but like you know, so I actually I was not able to watch the the Tuesday night game, but I was like checking my phone while I was out. And first I just saw a message from one of my writers and it was, you know, these fucking idiots. And so I pulled up <laughs> the, the NHL app and saw, Oh, they're up to nothing, you know, and that's, you know, they're mad at the players for scoring, but it's like, all right. One of the guys that scored was Liam foodie. Who's a former first round pick has really struggled in his development, had injuries, just bad timing with stuff, you know, went a long time without scoring a regular season goal. But then once he finally broke through in February, He's got like seven goals on the season or something like pretty good year for him to like show. Yes, I can be an NHLer. Uh, the second goal was scored by Trey Fix Wolanski, who's an AHL guy, but you know, he's trying to make the most of, you know, the few opportunities he gets in the NHL. Like I can't blame those guys for trying, you know? And I also don't like if the team got a point, but with the lineup that they put out there like what else can the team do you know what what, <laughs> right. what can what can management do they put out the worst possible thing they can do and like yeah they still played Gaudreau but like he didn't he wasn't contributing he didn't score any of those goals you know so when it's the scrubs that are scoring and getting them the point like what else can you do and I don't want to root against guys like that scoring I don't I don't want them to not play hard Right. I would think less of these players if they gave in, you know, players don't tank, coaches don't tank, management tanks. Mm. So and I don't like that we're in a position of the team winning is anything but a good thing, you know. So that's why I would love to see the gold plan, you know, where there's actually would be a reason to root for these bad teams winning down the stretch. Or um, I saw like Scott Powers had a thing at The Athletic this week where he argued for maybe flat odds for the bottom five. Um, and I would even be okay with that. I think that's more likely to be adopted because they're all right. So we'd be in the same boat and it wouldn't matter if the Hawks are winning or the jackets are winning. Like, okay, we know we're bottom five. So like that set um, that I think would be a little bit more comfortable of a situation. I just, I, I can't, I can console myself after a loss with like, well, the selves are draft position, but like during the game, I can't, I can't root against my team. I want my team to be out there. I want scoring goals. I want guys that are part of, like you said, a lot of these guys will be part of the team next year. So I want them doing good things that they can build on for next season. Now, you know, ideally they play well and still lose in regulation. Like that's cool, but you know, I can't, I can't blame a guy for playing well, you know? Yeah, I I mean the the experience we've uh, Eric and I've had watching and and the rest of our staff have had watching the Hawks this season has been, you know, like they just signed Jared Tenorti for a one year extension. It's like, all right, cool, <laughs> he'll be around for another year, then probably gone after that because some young guy will probably boot him off the lineup. And you know the, you know Tyler Johnson will score a game winning goal, and it's like, yeah, cool, he's thirty three, writing out the rest of his career. Cool, like what's that going to do for us? It's just been uh been pretty pretty miserable over here. <laughs> Yeah, well, and that's like you said, it's just the, it's the time where the, the Hawks have to I mean, they're in a long rebuild and they're yeah. 
many years away from contending and it's, it's hard to sit through that part, but I think it is necessary. Yeah. Yeah. I think about my thing was always like, I, I understand why the Hawks did what they did, but the, uh, there's still like a principle here that I feel like has been violated that drives me insane. But I, I, I also begrudgingly accept the fact that to your point, they didn't really have any other options. I don't, Eric, did you have any other um, thoughts on that? The, the gold plan or the other options for what the, the, the leagues can do, not just the NHL, but the other uh, pro sports leagues in America can do to not let well, taking happen. I, I don't want to get into a whole big secondary thing, but I mean, I think a lot of it just has to do with like uh, the more advancement in, you know, analytics and kind of people hedging themselves a lot more. And it's seeming like there's only, you know, two true outcomes when the reality is, you know, there's a lot more in between. Um, it's, it's, it is, there's something very weird about it. It doesn't feel right to actively root against your team. And like Alex was saying, you know, when he got a message from one, uh, one of the writers being like these fucking idiots, you're not expecting to look at it and be like, Oh, my, our, my team is up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's so backwards from everything that we experience and love about like watching sports and you know collectively rooting for a team together so it it just i don't think it feels right it will never feel right um and i mean just for the tanking in general it didn't end up mattering but imagine that you're a panthers fan or an islanders fan and your whole season comes down to whether or not pittsburgh wins these last two games Mm -hmm. and they're playing the two worst teams statistically in the entire league who, you know, for all appearances seem like they're actively trying to lose. Obviously, you know, the Penguins didn't bother to show up last night. But, <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. that's part of a bigger issue that, you know, it obviously it needs to be addressed. And whether that is kind of the, the flat bottom five or the gold plan or, you know, something else entirely, like, I don't think it can continue at this pace. But until, you know, Bettman at least acknowledges the fact that it exists – and the owners have a reason to, you know, not keep buying into it. It's just going to continue to keep happening. I also think this this might be a kind of a weird year too, just because of the nature of this draft class. Because yeah. it's not just about the odds of getting Connor Bedard. It seems like a lot of Jackets fans realize that just by finishing last, that you're guaranteed top three, and that there are three centers at the top of this draft who look to be pretty solid things to be a number one center. And we really need a number one center. So it's like, okay, if we finish last, we know that we get Bedard or Fantilli or Carlson. Um, So, and not every year has that sort of stakes, you know, and then there's even like the Mitchkoff factor, which I feel like for Chicago, Mitchkoff would be a great fit because you can afford to wait. I, 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 I I accept that Mishkov is a very good hockey player. Don't get me wrong, but if I have to wait two more years to see something of like that level of talent, I I don't know how I'm going to make it. <laughs> I do not. I I, I don't even want to like get into the Mishkov thing just because I don't want to entertain it because I don't want it to be spoken into existence. Like let's. But like, uh, but, but like but he he could be another Patrick Kane for you guys or another Artemi Panarin or something like that. Also also before Chicago fans start to feel too sorry for themselves. Need I remind you of what you can console yourself with for the next few yes, years? You I can pull out three DVDs of championship <laughs> runs. All right, come on. I, 
I know that is well, that listen, is that is a, that's how long ahead, ago it was that it's DVDs at this point. <laughs> that, that, that's exactly, what it feels like. exactly right. Oh, that's that's good. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm glad you got to that joke first. We Eric. traded Brandon Saad to you guys five times since the last time <laughs> and lost the trade uh, the every yes. time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. By the way, how's the Adam Boquist show going? Because the Seth Jones experience is wonderful. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, yeah, Boquist actually he's he's been pretty good this year when he can stay healthy, which is an issue. Uh, yeah. he, he picked the number twenty seven when he came here, which was previously Ryan Murray's number, and uh, clearly that number is just cursed, and no one should wear twenty seven ever again, uh, especially if they're a defenseman. So, oh, wow. uh, if he can stay healthy, though, he's great. But that's that's been an issue. But uh, I think the best part of that trade for us at this point is looking like David Yerichek. So, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I'm really excited about. He looks like he can be basically uh, a future. Seth Jones for us. So if it's just, you know, one year of Seth Jones for hopefully a career of David Yerchek, like that's a great deal. But then I still have high hopes for Cole Sillinger. So uh yeah, yeah what I, what happened that, to him this year? He kind of took a step back, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Um there was a little bit of regression. There was also just a lot of bad luck. Like his underlying numbers were still pretty solid compared to last year. I think he had a lot of puck luck last year and had no puck luck whatsoever this year. And again, the idiot coaching staff, I don't think recognized that and they didn't use him properly. They gave him, you know, poor line mates, weird deployment, lots of like defensive zone time when like he needed to more offensive zone starts just to boost his confidence. They should have sent him down to Cleveland in December, but they had enough injuries at, at center that they couldn't afford to send him down. Then they sent him down way too late. It's yeah. There's some issues there. I, I don't think he's going to be a one C for us ever, but like as a solid two C guy, a kind of maybe like a Brandon Dubinsky type, like I still think he's got that potential. He's a real hardworking kid. Um, just, you know, kind of snake bit this year, but I think he'll bounce back. Yeah. That, that number one center is uh, the hottest commodity in the NHL. Sometimes it feels like everybody, everybody wants one, but there's, it's a very precious, uh, precious few who are worthy of that, uh, that distinction. Um, Alex, you've been very generous with your time. Uh, so we thank you very much, but one last question before we get out of here. Uh, do you have anything else you'd like to share on our Lord and savior, Justin Fields, because you are a Columbus person. He's from yeah. Ohio state. And I figured we could all just take a moment to bask in the glory of what's going to happen. At least the football team in the city will be good. Yeah. Uh, Fields rocks and please stop wasting him. Uh, <laughs> okay. Hey, this was the last year there. They they got it receivers for him. They're gonna get linemen. Yeah, they're gonna have a defense. It's it's gonna be a whole thing. Th- there's no reason why he should not be a successful NFL quarterback. He's got all the tools. He's a smart quarterback. He's a hardworking guy. He's got the uh, arm, the athleticism. Uh, you know, he was he got NFL level coaching from Ryan Day when he was at Ohio State. So he should be the guy. So I still think that he can he can make it there. I, I know nobody can see this because this is a this is an audio medium, not a visual one. But I'm just like waving you on to just throw more things at me because this is <laughs> every every other team I have sucks. My Premier League team's about to get relegated. The only good thing I have going for me right now are the Chicago Bears and Justin. Oh boy, that's yeah. that, that is a sad sentence. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and 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 uh, and Eric. Uh, I mean, Eric's probably in a similar boat as me. So. 
I am. I do have one other question for Alex before okay. we go. go. Go right ahead. Uh, Dave and I are going to the final game, Blackhawks game at the United Center tomorrow. It's going to be 80 degrees in Chicago. What do you think about wearing shorts to a hockey game? Uh, well, no, like, hey, I'm a Midwest guy too. Long sleeve top with shorts, like, that is totally acceptable wear, especially in the spring and fall. So uh, if you're comfortable in the arena, now, like, my seats are like lower bowls, so I'll usually wear jeans for that. That can get a little cool, but uh, yeah, totally respect rocking like hockey jersey and shorts. Totally legit uh, look here in the Midwest. Absolutely. Right. I appreciate that. You've given me some things to think about. I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be wearing jeans because uh, uh, we were talking about this earlier. Like I can't remember the last time I saw a Blackhawks game in warm weather because they don't play in warm weather months anymore because they're bad and they're <laughs> going to be continue to be that. But that's... Uh, that's all we've got. Alex, thank you so much for joining us. You are on Twitter at Pale Dragon and the main at, uh, at, at Pale Dragon C Bus and the Canon is at CBJ Cannon. Yeah, I should I should let you do it instead of me. And <laughs> what's the, the new the new domain? Are you guys back at your are you masters of your domain now? Back at jackiscannon.com. All right, there you go. Uh, keep an eye on them. And then on May 8th, we'll, we'll send hate tweets to each other after whatever happens at the end of the uh, NHL draft lottery. But thanks, everyone, so much for listening. I think we're going to have some more Friday shows throughout the, the rest of this offseason. So uh, keep an eye out for more of them as they come throughout the rest of the uh, uh, summer months. We'll talk to you then. Bye.